Hey you, you're listening to Sloancast, your one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time. Chris Murphy, Patrick Penland, Andrew Scott, and Jay Ferguson, collectively known as Sloan. We are your fellow superfan hosts. I'm Rob, this is Ken. Ken, how's it going, man? I'm doing fantastic. I'm I'm very happy for you that this uh, this coming episode is has come to fruition. I know it's been something that we've been aiming to do for a long time, and uh, and now it seems as though the chance has come. Yeah, I've I've known for a while that our guests on this episode are you know Sloan super fans like us, and uh, you know add that to the fact that they're that they were a part of a band that I was a huge fan of, and obviously with their solo work sense and uh, they're incredible musicians, uh, really really funny guys big fan and uh, so it was a, f- a total treat to chat with them i'm um, speaking of course about taylor Locke and ned brower uh, previously of the band rooney uh and uh, yeah so they're fantastic dudes so awesome to talk to them unfortunately a couple of weeks ago when this is recorded you were under the weather uh so i That's recorded right. this one solo uh without a safety net without my ken safety net my <laughs> and uh, so from a technical standpoint it's it's a little rough and uh you kind of i want everybody to just kind of go easy on me i'm not barbara walter over here you can kind of hear me losing it when i ask taylor what kind of a tree he'd be uh just kidding but uh anyway i think it went okay uh so yeah if if you uh if you're still interested if you're still invested please have a listen these guys are totally hilarious and obviously huge fans and they obviously have that great perspective of growing up in california uh and they sort of come into contact with the band towards the end of the 90s navy blues between Mm -hmm. the bridges era uh so they have a really unique sort of perspective uh so it was such a treat to speak with them uh so yeah i hope everybody enjoys and did you have any notes that you wanted to add there ken no, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it too. Yeah. All right. So everybody go easy on me there. Uh, so now we're going to join my <laughs> chat with uh, Taylor and Ned uh, already in progress. All right, okay. let's, let's fucking do it. All right. Are we official? I think so. I apologize. You guys can't see me, but I'm, you know, who cares? Okay. So for the listener at home, I just want to say that we, uh, Rob can see Ned and I, we cannot see Rob. We've gone back and forth between Zoom and uh, the other format, but we're finally settled in and we're ready to talk about Sloan. And is there any other uh, introductory type of thing that that I should touch on? Well, I was going to do my silly intro, which I'm happy to do record oh, later. But uh, hey, why not? No, no, no. I I think we should hear it. We'll yeah, make it. We'll Ned's, ma- eating, Ned's eating a fucking weird looking salad, uh, and uh, we have some wine here. And let's hear it. Go ahead. Let's do it. Uh, hey, you. You're listening to Sloancast, your one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time, Andrew Scott, Jay Ferguson, Chris Murphy, and Patrick Pentland, collectively known as Sloan. We are your fellow superfan hosts. I'm Rob. Well, and this is normally where I would say this is Ken, but Ken's under the weather. He's not here. So this is going to be a Rob solo round episode. And of course, there are some technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so I've uh, been bending these guys here for about half an hour trying to get this thing set up, but I think we're in the clear. Hopefully we can make this work and uh i'm very excited despite ken not being here uh on our guests on this on this episode been a fan of these guys for a very long time and uh, very excited to chat with them about sloan uh let's let's welcome everybody taylor Locke and ned brower how are you guys doing yeah real good real good here by the way rob hey ken we're sorry to hear you're under the weather i mean how how bad is it you think uh, he's gonna make it yeah, you know, my fingers are crossed. I'm pouring one out for him right now, but for the homie. So we'll see. I'll be lighting a candle later on and uh, probably doing some ne- chanting. Ned's a nurse. Do you want to 
maybe do telemedicine? Like, what kind? What are his symptoms? Did you say medicine? No, Ned is well. No, Ned is a nurse. Would you like to do telemedicine? But yeah, medicine is a trademark. Trademarked. Um, Good band yeah. name. Does he have nausea, diarrhea, vomit, upset stomach? Ned's, yeah. a diarr- Ned's a diarrhea specialist, by the way. That's what he. That was his major in nursing school. That's another good band name. <laughs> Cool, guys. Well, I got to say, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. So happy to be talking to you guys. And I'll start off by saying this. I think I mentioned this when I spoke to you guys, like in your DMs and whatnot. But uh, I want to say, this is crazy because this, I believe, was, was 20 years ago as of this fall. But I would have been first aware of you guys uh, late 2002. I went to Lee's Palace to see the show. I don't think you guys, obviously, the listener would recognize you both from the band Rooney, the amazing band Rooney. And uh, I saw you guys in that band late 2002 at Lee's Palace in Toronto. Uh, I got the little three song EP, which I had, and I was looking for it all day. And I couldn't find it, but I've got your CDs and the DVD. Anyway, um, but uh, I remember at the show, the one thing that kind of struck me and thing that kind of stayed with me is that Jay Ferguson was there. Uh, so there was always sort of, a, it seemed to be some sort of Rooney Sloan connection or perhaps just, you know, you guys were fans of each other. Do you guys recall that show and recall seeing him there? Yeah, who I was actually just trying to think of who would we have been opening for. I want to say this was like a midday matinee or something. I don't know if me, maybe you guys I did a show. Remember, really? We might have been like headlining and dipped up for one show and we did some like promo and some press. Nardwar interviewed us at that show. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Right, right. Awesome. Yeah. Were you, were you guys aware of Sloan at that point? Like, do you remember meeting Jay? Did he introduce himself at all? Yeah. Or? I don't know if we met Jay that day, but we would have been... We were aware of Sloan's fans before we uh, became acquainted with them. Yeah, I first heard Sloan in when I moved to LA in '99, and my roommate that moved down from Seattle brought a copy of Navy Blues down solely based on the cover art. And yeah, he had awesome. good, good taste in art and design and stuff, and was like, "This these guys look cool," and I listened to the record, and it's good. And so we would blast She Says What She Means every morning when we'd wake up to go to work, like my first year in L.A. in 99. And I'm pretty sure I turned you on to Sloan, but then you took me on a way deeper journey well, into the band. I think I saw the Between the Bridges or Pretty Together show at the Troubadour when Phantom Planet was opening. Right, right. And then we had hooked up and started our band, and you had told me the, this business about the Navy Blues cover art and so then i went back to that record and then we played with them with the strokes and then kind of befriended those guys and then when they were in la recording action packed we went and visited and hung out at the um the notorious uh rock roth oakwood oakwood (laughs) yeah the roth rock sessions the oakwood apartments is a, a a fabled um like furnished apartment for uh people coming to do showbiz stuff here which was mm. funny for sloan because it's like a guns and roses and kid actors kid actors like, yeah. here for pilot season <laughs> and then later on um when i had a little solo project after rooney i opened for sloan north of the border and got to see their their them on their home turf and then when they came to do Coachella one year they stayed here at my house and Chris and Jay stayed here and did some uh demo recording of stuff that that 
some went on to become Sloan Song, some went on to become part of the Feltworth project. Right, yeah. And then Chris and I have uh, remotely co-written uh, two or three songs. No, more, more than that, actually. A handful of songs. And that would be the extent of our um, personal acquaintance. But as fans, I think we, we, we typify the Sloan fan in a lot of ways because I think what's great about this band is... is are you gonna do the entire interview of twenty years in the five minutes? No, go ahead. <laughs> well, let me let me jump in here if I can for just no, a second. This is just a prelude. Okay. No, this is and this is it's delicious. I gotta say, um, but we like to ask of our super fan guests to kind of you know take it back to square one, hop on the Delorean if you guys don't mind, and kind of give the listener listener bring them up to speed just in case they're not fully acquainted. Uh, you know where you guys are from, earlier music memories. Uh, in your case, you know getting into playing music a little bit maybe, and then you've obviously touched on how you came upon the band, but maybe sort of go over that with a little more detail or something ned has a, a fabulous pacific northwest grunge era pedigree which he will tell you about three two one <laughs> i grew i grew up in seattle in the 90s primarily like came to came online musically and so that was pretty exciting it went kind of overnight from being like a town no one had ever heard of to like the biggest you know yeah. cultural icon in the world which was strange and um, kind of got involved in like a lot of local like skate punk kind of music scenes and hardcore and stuff like that. And um, I ended up going to film school and moving down here to LA right after college. I'm a little bit older than Taylor and the other guys in Rooney and, uh, and then met those guys here. The rest of our band Rooney were all natives of LA. And then uh, that launched me on a professional music adventure for a long time. Awesome. And Taylor? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, from L.A., native, and I was a kid who took guitar lessons and was swept by this grunge movement that Ned was in the epicenter of, but I was younger and, and, and hundreds of miles south of that, but um, kind of hitting that sort of adolescent preteen energy at the same time I was taking guitar lessons I was sort of right on time for for Kurt Cobain and Nirvana and 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 the attitude and aggression of that mixed with like the the melodies and the humor and the fun of it uh I was just taken with with that and the more I got to appreciate like Kurt Cobain's songwriting, I realized he was drawing from a lot of more classic 60s pop stuff. And then I got into kind of British Invasion, um, which became kind of really my, my bread and butter and my sort of home base musically, stylistically, which, um, so when I became aware of Sloan, I, I was primed to get into that kind of thing because I was a, a, a Beatles kind of fanatic. And then uh, getting to know the thing about getting to know the guys, but also getting to know the records is it's like, it's like being into baseball cards or something. There's such a, it's, it's designed for fandom. It's like four bands in one and everything from the four singers to the four writers to the uh, artwork, like Ned already touched on, like the design of, of, of the, Navy Blues and Between the Bridges packages. 
it's just so catered towards um, fandom and analysis. Like we've always just loved breaking down music and talking about bands and this band provides just endless hours of like, yeah, fun and analysis. Totally. You know, as being band guys, you can just totally read into all these personalities and musical styles and records over the years. And yeah, that's actually a really good, interesting thing you just said. And that's certainly the way that um, like American Sloan fans are. And then the one thing I'll, I'll add, the contrasting point to that is when I was fortunate enough to open a bunch of shows for them in Canada, you see when you're in a territory where they're like a radio staple band with hit pop songs, how you have a type of fan that's not uh, up on all that. They're more just like, oh, it's that band that has this song and that song and that song and that song. And they're kind of just a staple, uh, you know, radio band up in Canada. And that that duality is pretty interesting, too, to see that Mm. in Canada you have younger fans guys and girls and then down in the states you have a fan that's more of a a jean jacket bull cut fella like the staff in high fidelity or something yeah yeah you got your who mod pin on your on your jean jacket (laughs) and it's a particular type of fan and I, i think it's fun that they have kind of both of those things going for them you can play both cards did you notice at all, like, the set list difference? Because I've heard, I mean, I've seen the guys in sort of more northeastern cities, like, you know, New York City and that kind of thing. And the show is definitely different. Like, in Canada, obviously, they've got to kind of play the hits and stuff for the most part. Um, but in the U.S., they kind of switch it up a little, and they'll play kind of deeper cuts, or they're not so, they don't have to rely so much on the expectation of playing, like, big singles and stuff. I think the set list has to do with more what's happening chronologically because they've been reissuing these records now. Yeah, I always joke right. with Murphy that they're in syndication. They're like <laughs> like a, a, a snake eating its tail. At some point, the record they're putting out now is going to be the reissue tour in 20 years from now. <laughs> so I think that they their touring set is designed around what's new and then what they're celebrating that's old. Mm. So I don't know that I saw a distinct difference between like, oh, we're north of the border, we have to play this. I mean, I think they, they, they're they crowd pleasers anyway. I don't think, yeah, yeah. Would, you know. Andrew obviously will throw wild cards when he comes out for his portion of the set. Right, yeah. He's the guy who is probably less inclined to take in. I thought he just always plays sensory deprivation. He, he often does. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's awesome. I think he, for him, it's not about what records are being reissued or what records new or who we opening for, or are we headlining or what territory? And it's more like, I feel like doing this one. So yeah. I'm going to do this one. Did you guys, yeah. you mentioned Coachella earlier. Did you guys catch them when they did? I think they opened with 48 Porkins. Yeah, they there. did the bre- They did the oh, breakfast God. set. Yeah. yeah. I, they, Chris and Jay stayed at my house during Coachella and we drove out there. And we joked that the, the traffic to Coachella was in the opposite direction because there was people leaving from the night before. Um, because their show is at like eleven. But yes, yeah, you're you are right to say that Andrew did sensory deprivation both weekends at Coachella, 
and most people in that tent you know it's kind of a a, a microcosm for sloan in general there's no you don't have a middle ground fan you have like extremely casual fans who just know their radio hits in canada mm. and then you have freakishly nerdy <laughs> wikipedia level like our assholes like us and you <laughs> <laughs> right on um so when andrew comes up, steps up to do something like that you don't want to waste your time going like oh no he's gonna do a 13 minute feedback song he should be doing this 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 and this like no no let him do what he's gonna do and if people don't get it they can fuck off this is his thing yeah for sure so what were your first impressions of the band obviously so it sounds like you guys would have been seeing them for the first time like late 90s early 2000s era yeah that sounds about right to me i I was also a a troubadour show that was around that timeline yeah troubadour would have been like 99 yeah yeah, and it probably was between the Bridges era, but I actually only knew Navy Blues from that record my my roommate brought us. And my first impression of the band was just like, fucking drums are so interesting. And yeah. that's like from a, I mean, I'm a drummer, so I think it's easy to just be like, oh, that's because you're a drummer. But there's just something like so different for a contemporary album, the way mm-hmm. those, the way the drums sound on their albums. And I think that's like such a important part of the band sound still to this day and 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 then visually seeing him yeah 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 play that way play, and then chris just stood out too it was to me it was it was like there's a couple guys with glasses this real crazy drummer and a guy with a high voice whose songs i think are pretty melodic and i dig that was my first thing <laughs> i remember I anyone was who was who i'm not that analytical i just like them casually it wasn't until we got into them together that I really started to learn, like, oh, that's this guy, that's this guy. My first impression was probably harmonies. Like everyone's singing. I love bands where everybody pulls their weight instrumentally and vocally. Mm-hmm. Like, you're kind of getting two for one on each guy because there's so many indie rock bands where, you know, the entire lineup are not vocalists. Um, and then Andrew's drumming style... Um, and that, yeah, Andrew's drumming style and all the singing, the harmonies. And but that. even when Chris would get on drums, I'm like, fuck, he plays like the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. They don't really drop the ball live. I mean, like, they totally deliver. Like, did you, I mean, for me, I've kind of gr- changed over the years in my fandom, but, uh, like, I would consider myself now kind of more of a Chris guy. Did you guys gravitate to one member more than the others? And has it changed over the years slash albums? A little bit. I kind of came in via J. Same here. Mm. Because that kind of delicate, like feminine indie guy, Bell and Sebastian kind of voice seemed kind of appropriate, like in the 90, late 90s and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And his productions are so stylish. They're so considered and, and intentional, and nothing is ever out of place. Um, and his um, encyclopedic referencing of vintage music is such a so deliberate, such a nod and a wink to that kind of stuff. That kind of drew me in. And then I got into, you know, Patrick Wright's big foot stomp in like riff rock songs. Andrew is kind of 
arty and bluesy and velvet undergroundish and Stephen Stills-ish and all over the place. And it's funny, Chris became my favorite, but he he probably probably took the longest to get into because there's always extra wordplay, extra chord changes, extra <laughs> stuff. But Chris to me is like the most natural super talent and he's almost like a Nick Lowe type of guy or an Elvis Costello guy. He gets better and better as time goes on and he takes a lot of care with the lyrics and he's um i mean i've heard you talk about it on this on this show too like he's he's um he will jam things into his songs that are so like conversational or humorous that you right would be fodder for song lyrics it'd be more like a joke you tell your friend but it wouldn't wind up in a song and he somehow pulls it off in a song and then when i've been fortunate enough to write songs with him on a couple of occasions just to see that process is really fun because he is going for stuff that sounds good and sings well but also is funny and rhymes and works on a few levels and um so that's sort of my journey among the four i i would i would sort of add to that like definitely jay hooked me in and then andrew was just one of my favorite guys just ever from Mm. a style point of view and a drum point of view and an artistic point of view but for me it's all murphy that dude he's 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 a once in a generation and he's a hundred percent my dude in the band that's kept me into it and I think his songwriting is just very next level. No yeah. question. It's cool. That I, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys are aware of Patrick's Patreon account or whatever, but he posted a thing recently of, I guess they, cause they've been working on a new record, the 13th album. And he posted sort of like the visualization of the song in some sort of media player. And it's a new one from Chris called magical thinking. And he's talking about like, Oh my God, wait till you guys hear this fucking thing. It's insane. So big teases for album 13. So I think we're going to, hopefully the, I'm, I'm fairly certain they're going to deliver, but you're uh, saying that's Patrick speaking uh positively of a chris song yeah he's he's way into it that's nice yeah he was talking about how he sang on it and uh uh, chris was on a show within the past year and he kind of named he riled off his four songs that have been finished for the new album for like a year and a half or something Um, i know that song and i know that i know chris's um angle for the last few years has been all uh, like atheist science sure stuff so that's in line with that. Um, <laughs> so this is a song that you've actually heard then? I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. That's I don't great. know the current ver- I don't. I haven't heard the, the newest. But it took me a long – I'll tell you what, Rob. It took me a long time to get into the in, – in the inner circle enough to hear rough mixes and demos and whatnot. Even when I thought I was pretty good friends with those guys, it was still like – Hey, nice to hear from you. You'll wait and hear the record when it comes out, just like everybody else. <laughs> well, I would assume you know, that. Hey, in a folder. I would assume there's maybe like a mutual appreciation society thing going on there. Like he appreciates you as a songwriter, and so he's willing to open that door. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I could only be so lucky. I appreciate it. I mean, it's. <laughs> it's it's fun to, but I also don't want to spoil it for myself because I'm such a fan. A part of me wants to just wait until it comes with the artwork and everything, but that's yeah. Yeah. 
We're not living in those days. I'll just take it when I can get it. There's a band from Canada who were kind of big in the 90s with Sloan from that area, and they brought them up, and they're called Thrush Hermit. And uh, not sure how aware of those guys you are, but they had a great lyric in one of the songs, um, A Fan Before a Friend. And so as much as I bump into these guys around town or rub shoulders with them at a show or something, I kind of want to maintain a bit of that distance as well. Like, I kind of like not being completely a part of it and still being surprised like when the record comes out and being like oh my god this is so fucking great like not really seeing how the sausage is made if you will but uh, yeah i get that but i think that when i see them live it restores that um that feeling you know whatever yeah that kind of teenager thing like ned and i were talking about the other day how last time they played la was on their navy blues syndication uh-huh. uh their their seinfeld reissue of navy blues re, the navy blues rerun yes yeah. <laughs> and it was so so fucking loud but the thing about sloan is no matter how loud they are chris and patrick can can sing over it they can sing loud and they have really good mic technique and they have the right sound guy who knows their shit yeah, and they're playing a tiny little club over here in my neighborhood, and it was just like so loud. It was physical, like your fucking body is shaking. Um, but it was awesome because you know Navy Blues is uh, what's it, it was twenty twenty years old. And we've heard it a million times, and we're friends with the guys and all that. But when you're in a little bar and it's fucking dark and loud and you're a little drunk and they come out and open with she says what she means like i mean you feel like you're at a fucking sabbath gig it was pretty goddamn <laughs> yeah it was totally. very um just uh uh rumbling really that's an ideal album for that setting for sure to hear rumble loud bronx. real yeah. rumble in the bronx <laughs> We've, I've, I haven't really talked about this on the show before, but you're kind of touching upon it. So I'll kind of bring it up and see what you think. To me, there are kind of two Sloans. And this is sort of might be an obvious concept, but there's the studio Sloan where, you know, in some cases, Andrew is recording a song entirely by himself or, you know, Gregory's involved a bit in the mix a little with some of the other songs, you know, adding keys and vocals and things. Uh, and it's sort of done a little more in pieces and, it's not necessarily all four guys in the studio at once. Uh, and then there's the second Sloan, which is those same guys learning each other's songs and then putting this performance mm-hmm. together, uh, which for the most part just blows you away totally. Uh, and you would never guess if you weren't in the know that they, you know, compiled that piecemeal, you know, cut and paste in a, in a studio and then are now this totally different version of themselves. Um, not a whole, I don't know how many examples of other bands that are like that, but uh, I don't know. They pull it off. Like there's this, incredible i don't know i'm kind of preaching to the converted here but there's this sort of quality about the records that it's 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 not so much leaning on well he's the drummer live so we have to have him play on the record or whatever or you know so the record kind of is is beautiful in that way whereas it's not they're they're not you know uh bound by sort of structural rules if you will i don't know if that makes any sense and then live is just this freewheeling fucking rock machine and uh, I don't know if I have a question there, but I just wanted to make that point. Oh. <laughs> I think there are two Sloans. That's all. That's my one, thesis. One I'm thing I think it. Ned started to touch on is there's a Sloan drumming style. So Andrew yeah. is is the uh, principal purveyor of that. 
and anybody will tell you, including Chris Murphy, <laughs> that he's really uh, a special specimen when it comes to that. But when Chris gets behind the kit, it's not like you've changed the dial to somebody who's coming from a totally different uh, place stylistically. Chris is, is honoring, honoring the sound of the band. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. So you have that going for you, and then you also have Gregory, who's there to blend, to to blend, to do what any of the four principal guys need done at any time. So those two factors go a long way to to gluing it together for Sloan as a live band, um, where you're not like, oh, it's really weird when so and so does the songs live. It's nothing like the record. Yeah. You don't really have that because you have a pretty tight knit circle of dudes working on the stuff, even if they don't all cross pollinate on record on every song. They they're aware of each other's sensibilities enough to not um, completely uh, reinterpret it live in a way that has no that uh, doesn't that doesn't mirror the records at all. You know. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think that the the live show is just like a really heightened. It's it's a it's a welcome version of the album. You know, it's not as though it's like a bit of a letdown or something. It's always a, you know. <laughs> they're, they're I guess, throwing everything especially since they added Gregory at the live show it's it's I, I mean for sure the last couple of times I've seen them they, they've never sounded better yeah I agree music. yeah I mean we, extra like level of confidence vocally and musically just supports everyone's thing and his tambourine work is second to none <laughs> yeah what's the guy from Brian Jonestown Massacre he's, he's got to <laughs> run for the lead, his money the lead tambourine Joel yeah Joel or whatever <laughs> I love Gregory I love Gregory and uh, and and Gregory loves Sloan so whether he's getting to play the most fucking hot shit Mellotron lick or a tambourine he's gonna do both with equal enthusiasm because He's a fucking team player. It's a good thing that he's like a super fan in the band. I think that's like a, we've talked on the show about, you know, thank God he's there kind of like, not to say that he's keeping them in line or whatever, or that he's necessarily inspiring specific things, but to have that, you know, person in the room. He is. Yeah. You think so? I think, he's, I think he's keeping them in line and inspiring them. And Ned and I have talked about how on the last few records, there's a, you, you can kind of hear him singing. There's somebody sure. in those harmonies that it ain't one of your main Sloan voices. He's, <laughs> He's working his way in there. Yeah. Well, he, he, he also, his voice really works obviously with the other guys and he's really good at kind of like, I don't want to say mimicking, but he really does blend, you know, really well. And yeah. it's, so you're not like, what's, I mean, you're, you're, you're picking it up cause you know his voice, but it's not like you hear it and you're like, what the hell is that? No, that's what, that's what three part harmony is, man. It's a, all about blend. So he gets in there. If anything, it's sad that maybe Andrew is singing less like, cause he's farmed some things out. Yeah. I don't know why. Chris told me once maybe he, he uh, a basketball game or a hockey game, something hit him in the throat and he, certain part of his range he doesn't want to go for. Mm. I, I vaguely remember a story like that. but Or he's just busy fucking playing great drums. I, I don't know. I mean, I heard that story too. I will say, um, you know, it's a shame that last year was their 30th year and they only played like 
three shows. Like they were two shows here in Toronto. They had like a matinee on the one day and an evening show. And then the next day was just another evening show. And I thankfully got to go do merch for them. So I was there to see it. And uh, very like exclusive, like seated only and whatnot. And in terms of Andrew vocally and all the guys too, and Andrew on drums, especially Jesus Christ. Like you would think after like whatever it's been like two years of not playing that they would have lost a step or something, but it was just insane. Uh, you were talking about loud earlier and even Andrew, like I'm, he, I'm, he's somebody who I'm like hyper-focused on as a drummer myself too. Uh, like he's like the inspiration for me <laughs> to kind of pick up the sticks or whatever. And um, he was like adding stuff, you know, like adding fills and like, it was like Andrew turned up to like 11. It was insane. I think the older you get as a musician and as a fan, when all of the um, other stuff, the auxiliary stuff like record production or artwork or music videos or cool opening slots on a tour, when all that stuff has kind of peaked or done its thing, you're kind of left with craft at the end, you know, like, Mm. so these guys writing well and singing and playing well, that's, that's kind of what you're left with. And that's what I like. That's another big reason I like following this band is because so much like rock music or pop music is like super like, what's the next new thing? Kind of like youth driven. Yeah. But for dudes who have as many records out as they do and have been doing it as many years as they have to write better and better songs and play better and better live, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's really inspiring. The fact that, you, that what you just said, they only played two songs last year, I mean two shows last year, but when you went and saw them, Andrew's drumming was as good as you've ever seen it. Like, that's as it should be, you know. You could really, you know, paint, yeah. You could feel that they were. Painters are supposed to get better and better, and filmmakers are supposed to get better and better, and fucking <laughs> classical musicians are supposed to get better and better. Why should a rocker fucking peak when they're twenty nine? Why shouldn't Andrew play better drums now than he ever has? Why shouldn't they write better songs and sing better harmonies than they ever have? It's yeah, man. It was it was great to see. Fun of it. Even like Patrick was on our podcast last year, unbelievably, and we've had everybody except Jay so far as of this recording. Uh, and uh, I like that. I think that's I like that look for Jay. I think he shouldn't continue to not be on your podcast. He'll just forever be the one who doesn't do it. <laughs> I'll talk to everybody but him. Um, but uh, yeah, and it was cool too because when Patrick was on, he had mentioned that he had kind of gone. Uh, like fully sober uh and uh so it was cool to kind of see him now too like you know a couple years post that decision really firing on all cylinders as well like i kind of never really looked at him as being lesser than live or anything like that like i was unaware of that that was a thing but uh really cool to see kind of the full package uh they were you know a little the same but a little different too there was like a fire there and i think they were excited to be back playing I'm not sure if I've seen them since that or not, but Andrew uh, Patrick's always been a very, very functional live vocalist. Yeah, yeah. Providing the harmony. That's definitely his best asset is his high, his high harmonies for me. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and he, and he and Chris singing together, there's nothing better than that. The super yeah. voice. The super voice, exactly. 
<laughs> exactly, man. Well, you touched Taylor on the production earlier. And so as a producer, I mean, you guys have both got fantastic, you know, solo efforts under your belts, but just in terms of production, um, you know, any thoughts on, you know, favorite productions in the Sloan catalog or anything that you've maybe borrowed or thought, you know, you know, you're in the studio and what would, what would Sloan do? You know, I think the, the double album where they had sort of, they had done this experiment with Tom Rothrock with Action Pack where they had turned over the reins and very, very deliberately and mm. uh, they had verbalized like we're going to, let's let this dude pick the songs, let's let this dude produce it and if it doesn't work out, we can go back to our, uh, you know, their own cottage way of doing it internally. When they did that, they threw down the gauntlet in a way that was really, really impressive and inspiring to me. And I think everything they've done uh, from the double album on has been really just cool sounding, really impressive and inspiring. And, and uh, it start you know, it starts with, their first couple of records were very of their time. You have smeared kind of being like a grunge kind of thing that was contemporary of its moment. And one chord to another is where they kind of um, established that they're not um, going with the grunge fashion of the moment. They're into a 60s thing, maybe blues in between the bridges and pretty together kind of this trilogy of them realizing uh their influences and and really painting it in broad strokes and laying it down this is the style of the band action packed is a deviation from the thing sort of an experiment then they come back from that and they just fucking double down on this is what we're into this is what we like and so for that reason on a production level i like all of their uh i like navy blues and then i like never hear the end of it and all the all the new stuff i like the sounds they get when they work on their own in their own space with their own engineer yeah i'm in the yeah, same boat. i mean i would just what's that oh, i was just gonna say i agree i'm in the same boat yeah i agree that the double album never hear the end of it is great my favorite Sloan record and production sound this is going to be controversial, but I fucking love Pretty Together, which I actually don't think awesome. is really in the same boat as the Navy Blues Between the Bridges. To me, it sounds different than the other records. Mm. And yeah. to me, it sounds glossy and shimmery and awesome. And it's produced, but it still has like a very, like those drum sounds are just very not contemporary. So it's like, mm. I think, I don't know if I'm interpreting this correctly because we live on like a, in a bubble when it comes to Sloan fans, cause there's less of us here, but like, I always kind of get the vibe that maybe some of the fans up there thought that that was like their produced album or overproduced or their pop attempt or something. But for me, it just sounds like glass and it's like so nice sounding. And it still has those like really old fashioned sounding drum performances and sounds but like the drum sounds on on the other man with the shimmery kind of like 
almost like Johnny Marr kind of guitar styles on that record. I love mm. who you're yeah. talking to. Like that stuff sounds so good to me sonically. Yeah, I'm with all that too. I'm with all that too. I love Pretty Together, and I and I I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, like being a Canadian fan, like Pretty Together was definitely like within their you know, super big explosive sort of like they're on TV. Like it was still sort of towards the tail end of that sort of time in Canada where they were really all over media. Uh, and that might've been the one where, uh, cause they had just changed labels at that point too. Uh, but yeah, for me, like feels good. Do it was just like a huge song in Canada. Other man too. I mean, those are just like classic tracks and um, you know, Ken on the show has kind of brought up that, you know, that there might be people out there who are feeling a little, you know, less than about that album. But yeah, for me, it was always a fave too. It's I, my joke is that my favorite album is all of them, but uh, yeah, man, pretty together is amazing. I love it. It's it's, and it's also big too. Like there's like 13 or 14 songs on there. There's a lot of different ideas that, you know, the, the disparity between sure. loud and soft. It's all over the place. I think the songwriting was really consistent on that record too. Like Andrew has really some really good ones for me on that record. Life yeah. of a Working Girl, I think, is, like, one of Chris's best songs. I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember I had this funny, like, media story. I remember about Sloan. You know, I was saying I was a fan from Navy Blues, and no one had ever really heard of Sloan down here except a couple of my friends that enjoyed him with, you know, together. And I went to Vancouver to – I was an actor for a while to work on a TV show. And mm. I went up to Vancouver to stay for a couple of weeks, and I remember – like walking down the street and seeing like a huge picture of pretty together album cover in the, you know, in one of those huge record stores with BMG or is that a record store? What's the name of the record store? HMV. Big chain. Yeah. Maybe HMV that. like on Robson street. Like, yeah. Yeah, probably. And they just had a huge Sloan picture and I was like, Whoa, that's that little weird band I like. And also thought like, another great record cover and i think i got the record when i was in in vancouver yeah. and then came and saw the videos and stuff and then came back down here to where people weren't really familiar again that one very and- underrated andrew album songwriting wise like uh, never seen the ground for the sky it was awesome dude in the yeah. movies is awesome great wall great wall oh fuck great wall is so awesome great wall is the shit you kidding me yeah, that's definitely a record where all four guys are like evenly firing on all cylinders. And that that record cover and probably Action Packed are my two faves. Action Packed cover, not not the record. I don't mind the record. It's it's totally like an outlier a little in the discography, but I think it's cool. I think it, I mean it kills it live too. Like I love that the the documentary DVD that came out where you just see them playing the whole thing through and yeah, fantastic. I mean that that album is just built for the live setting, you know. What's that? I need to watch that video. That sounds it's, cool. It's on YouTube. It's called Keeping the Tour Alive. And oh, it's, right. uh, yeah, somebody I put it on YouTube in like that. four parts. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's just them kind of driving across the U.S. playing shows here and there. I think the, the majority of the shows are with Jet, uh, who they were playing with at the time. And so the we joke is... Okay. <laughs> yeah, the that joke... Sonically, is a bizarro, Mondo bizarro. Uh, yeah, I think that that record, well, obviously it yielded um, the rest of my life, which is one of their absolute kind of staples. But um, to me, it's it's kind of like a failed experiment because they they had made records 
in a very idiosyncratic way leading up to that. And then they handed over the reins to a producer. And there's no material from Andrew on the record. And um, they made backstabbing. Patrick and and Chris had very streamlined kind of stuff. There's no keyboards. There's no acoustic guitars. There's the harmonies are very streamlined in a way. And um, in a way, everything they've made since then is almost a response to it. It's 180ing back to them um, regaining control of how their music sounds. So even though you have a couple of songs that maybe performed well at radio and became staples of the live set. There's so few songs from Action Pack that they still play live. And I think that's proof that maybe the deviating from the Sloan, the bylaws of the Sloan <laughs> rule book didn't, didn't uh, pan out, didn't yield such a great result. And you yeah. know, and another thing, I've listened to that record a lot of times, <laughs> and I like it just fine. But I like the song writing more than I like the sound of it. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I've always loved that album live too. Uh, and you guys could, because we're talking about the Action Pack period, I've, I, I can't think of another two. Well, there's probably a couple, but this is a good topic to bring up because I've thought about this for years, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. So maybe you guys can help me fill in the, the pieces here. It's 2004. I want to say like late 2004 phantom planets playing on kimmel and this would have been like when the self-titled record came out and the lead singer alex appears to be doing you know correct me if i'm wrong chris murphy cosplay because i never saw him looking this way before or after that but i remember that performance and i have it on tape somewhere i can't find it this is like almost 20 years ago but i don't know if you guys remember this he's he's got like the big glasses he's got the uh, rest of my life chris murphy haircut he's got the big scarf on do you guys do you guys have any recollection yeah. of that at all not yeah not that particular you do I, I remember alex in glasses for sure he's like a, he's a friend of ours sure uh i'm not sure it was a direct lift from murphy alex is usually pretty uh but but you know could could have been i always thought schwartzman was the main sloan fan of that band sure yeah 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean when i saw it i remember just thinking like there's no way this is a coincidence that these two guys have this like exact same look they did but, play uh, shows too. i mean i the first time i saw sloan fan planet opened so i know they were fans yeah I got to find that footage and I'll put the debate to rest. But anyway, yeah, I was just curious. Now a lot know. of ladies, a lot of ladies in the big cities wear the Murph glasses. I think he's, I think he's been a fashion icon to many. Way beyond Alex. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Well, some others. Some haircut, lo- haircut too. <laughs> and so, so Ned, I didn't know about this about you. You had, uh, you're actually an RN. And uh, on yes. your on your way to achieving that status, I guess you did some sort of firefighter certification. Is that true? Yeah, I worked with the L.A. Fire Department in the ambulance doing 911 stuff for a couple of years, which oh. Andrew and I bonded over. I was going to just say, like, maybe talk about that for a second, because some of the fans will note that Andrew did the same thing as well, like uh, went for his certification. This would have been in his, like, I want to say mid to late 40s. Yeah, I, I can't remember, but we definitely talked about this stuff. I think I was already he he, he did it at some point period after I did, um, and we definitely talked about it. I remember when he was doing his firefighter cert stuff, and I think I was kind of starting to get out of 
the uh, fire stuff and moving to the hospital emergency medicine, which is what I do now when I'm not making music and hanging out. Um, yeah, and it was kind of cool. I, I I remember being kind of pumped because, uh, again, he's just like a person I kind of looked up to musically, and then it was fun to be able to talk a little bit about uh, fire stuff backstage. And I, I think, I can't remember the conversations, but I, I seem to remember talking about that process of going through. It's pretty, uh, like, engaged, all-in kind of long process to go through to get to get into the fire stuff. And we were talking about it at some point on one of their tours backstage. Cool, man. Well, getting back to what you were saying earlier about production stuff. Um, I had heard a buddy of mine na- uh, named Stu Hayduke, who actually lives out near you guys. Uh, I don't know if you know who he is at all, but I think he works at, he was in a band in Canada called the golden dogs and he moved out that way. Uh, and he sent me a file last year where it was him and Murph kind of working out one of the songs for Commonwealth. I'd never heard it before. It was really cool. Just kind of hearing them kind of fleshing it out and stuff. And so you're, you were mentioning earlier, and this is something I was unaware of that you've actually written with him. And this would be songs that have appeared like on records and stuff. Well, two separate things. One, Chris and Jay stayed here at my place. The, the, when they played Coachella and they had a bunch of songs earmarked for the Feltworth project that we made right. demos of in the week in between the two Coachella's. Yeah. So on, on those songs, I would have had more just an engineering uh, role and played a little bit of slide guitar and sang some harmonies. Separate from that, I've done some long distance collaborations with Chris on some songs of mine, neither of which have been released actually. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. One was about to be, but but uh, I, I postponed. Awesome, man. That's cool. That's really cool. Uh. Another funny thing too, I noticed that you guys are in, I don't know how recent this was, but there's something that I was unaware of that this existed, but there's something called the Don't Stop the Musical. It's a Fleetwood Mac like tribute show that you guys are both involved in. Uh, And I was talking to, on the Greg episode uh, from last year, he was talking about what first meeting the guys in the band and they all kind of reconvened at an after hours bar and were doing cover songs and stuff. And kind of the music that everybody agreed upon that night was like Fleetwood Mac. We're going to do some Fleetwood Mac songs and stuff. So I kind of thought that was another funny little touchstone uh but uh yeah so tell me about that like you guys are obviously performing as fleetwood mac in this so there's this upright citizens brigade it's It's a theater called largo that's like a really great small theater in la that does a lot of big comedy and music stuff um so we started doing the show when rooney first ended we were in this kind of between between the bridges period (laughs) things and didn't know what to do and started we're like you know we we had seen this great beatles cover band that really blew our minds like just in las vegas cool yeah so it was like they had this insane attention to detail and we were just goofing around and like what can we do that hasn't been done like really well and anyway we we put this fleetwood mac show together and then played live and people loved it we had all the like vintage gear and costumes and played in character yeah (laughs) and and it got such a good kind of like response that we ended up kind of writing a whole musical about their whole Fleetwood Mac story and went deep on studying that band and started doing it regularly at this theater in LA that's just a great it's one of the great places in LA to see live entertainment um so it's been super fun. We've been doing it. We were doing that up until kind of COVID hit, but, uh, and getting these big special guests to narrate the show. We had Ray Romano 
from everyone loves Raymond. Oh, awesome. and, um, so that was a lot of fun. Cool, man. We, I, Cause I've joked on the show, but wanting to have like a Sloan musical, I know it's never going to happen, but in my mind it exists. And uh, you know, just picturing songs, especially songs from like, you know, never hear the end of it and stuff. Just for me, like I imagine in some, you know, like, big theatrical setting with like a whole bunch of people singing and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, maybe that's just in my own mind. They're very funny. Those guys are such good fans of sketch comedy and yeah, that's the other thing too that. Yeah, for sure. I developed the, the Fleetwood musical. I was always talking to, to those guys, to Chris in particular, but also Jay and Gregory at times. And I know it's the kind of thing that, if we ever got to do it in Toronto or they ever got to see it in LA, it would be uh, a lot of fun for, for everybody. Cause they, they get that kind of thing. So if you guys are ever uh, in the situation where you have to kind of indoctrinate somebody into Sloan, what's sort of your go-to album? Is there a song that's like, like a slam dunk for it that you find with other people? If that occasion ever occurs. Male or female listener. Good distinction. I, I guess both, I guess. <laughs> I think Jay is good for the, for the gals. Mm. Yeah, get, Jay's like a good, if you have a sophisticated gal, quick, quick hit. It's like what brought me into it, like what we were saying earlier. So he's a good, he's a good like intro piece. But to me, it's the Murphy stuff I, over and over again. He has so many good songs. And to me, the Chris songs are what make or break a Sloan record. Like my favorite, like the, the records where he's really making his greatest shit are the greatest Sloan records. And if he comes in a little shy, that record's going to fall a little shy for me. Like oh, Jay's boy. consistent <laughs> and Andrew's consistent. But when, you know, to make the best, the best of the best is the Chris stuff. And I would awesome. go with the other man. I and I would that. go with living in the shadow of love. That's one of his great ones. Nice. Laying Car- so low is one of his greats. Carried, carried away. Carried she says away what she means. Amazing. Keep oh, on Dear thinking. Diary. Diary is fantastic. I mean, these are great. Life of a Working Girl. These are great songs. And then when you throw in a song that Chris adds a bridge to, that's, where it, that, that's how you know he's the shit. Because he's going to take a song and he can add one line. Sometimes he'll add a whole bridge. He'll, add, he'll make the song... 50% better with a bridge or yeah. even a line like Witch's wand i think is one of jay's best songs yeah but what really sets that song into fifth gear is when chris comes in and just sings one line in the song at the end he yeah. sets up the last chorus and it elevates the song to a whole nother level it's unbelievable beverly terrace lines you amend yeah. yeah he's very natural he's she's he's, slowing down again he jump dips in for a bridge it's like he launches it into another completely another stratosphere i agree with all of that man i think chris is a very very gifted natural talent who uh keeps me interested in sloan records year after year Oh man. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this 13th record. I have no idea when it's coming out, but, uh, and by the way, that's no, that's no diss on any of the other guys because I'm a fan of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Me too. So I'll, I, again, 
I don't want to keep you guys all night. I want to respect your time. Obviously, Ned just worked 12 hours. Um, <laughs> but I do, want to, I, I do want to kind of get this one out there as well, because so, this is my sort of fantasy, and I've mentioned it on the show before, that Andrew takes a 60-minute extended smoke break, and I'm allowed to go up and play the entire show on drums. So for you guys... I'm going to take... You know what, buddy? With all due respect, I'm going to take a 60-minute smoke break with Andrew also. During that time. <laughs> what were you going to say? I want to hear where this is going. Well, no, I mean, this is a complete fantasy. I don't want to replace him in the band, obviously. Like, that would be the worst ever. A- any of those guys not in the band, I don't want, I'm not interested. But, um, you know, it's just a dream. It's a fantasy. But my, my, my question was, if you're at the show and you're filling in for one song and you can pick the song and you can pick the instrument, uh, what would you love to play live with those guys? I've played She Says What She Means with them a number of times. Okay, okay. So you so you have guessed it on stage then. Cool. Was that during yeah, the tour? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did it a few times. I you played Money City. Didn't you solo? In Money, yeah, maybe Money City also. You know what I haven't done is played an Andrew song. That would be fun. Cool. I played So Beyond Me. Oh, yeah. You know what? I want to say one thing. What would it be? Answer the question, man. Tell them what you did. What would it be? instrument and song and yes you can use your voice as an instrument (laughs) (laughs) um maybe an andrew song because i haven't done that and i i would like to say for the record that he's a really really underrated guitar player for sure and one of my favorite talent combinations in sloan is when andrew plays guitar on a chris song Mm. which they did on Between the Bridges a lot. On, he, on So Beyond Me, um, Andrew's the lead guitar player, and on, um, fuck, what's the other Chris tune on that record? Not Marquee in the Moon. All, the by our, all By Ourselves? All By Ourselves. That's, that's Andrew on lead guitar. That's it's a very yeah, Rolling a Stones kind of uh, approach. So, um, What do you think, Ned? Um... Uh, I like playing slow tempos, builders. So maybe and it'd be drums because that's all I play. But I'd like to <laughs> sing on. I'd like to sing harmony with them too. Maybe um, I don't know. I love laying so low I, for some oh, reason. Dude. I love how it starts small and then gets big. Oh, that's my tune. And I like that tempo. I like those down tempos. Maybe that one on drums. That's a so good one. Thinking, uh, Cool, man. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, they've got this uh, live show broadcasting coming up on February 4th where they're going to uh, play. The Between the Bridges thing? Yeah, the Between the Bridges thing, which is kind of cool because this is this would have been around when you guys sort of kind of clicked in with them. Um, yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see that footage and check it out. Um, but uh, yeah, so, very... Yeah, shot on 16-millimeter film. It's oh, a cool. gig from the Between the Bridges era. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like the whole album top to bottom in front of a tiny little crowd of people. It's sort of mimicking the 1969 Zeppelin footage from Europe, uh, mm-hmm. kind of before they got really big. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. It's when a young Gregory took a look and said, these fuckers need me. <laughs> he was at home somewhere. Yeah. They said, we could use a guy like Gregory. <laughs> I love the I photos. They still, they still have the... Like a roads out front that they're yeah, that they're swapping out. out. Totally, yeah. yeah. I don't know that. That's There's when a, we first saw them at the Troubadours. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
there's a great moment, and we've talked about this on the show too, a long time coming, uh, where I think they play at the time they were doing like NS with Andrew on the roads into long time coming and Andrew stays on the roads. And then for the solo at the end, he puts on his, uh, I don't know what the big orange guitar is. If Ken was here, he would know yeah, exactly what guitar is. The Gretsch, yeah. And he he does the guitar mini with Patrick at the end of long time coming. It's just like one of my favorite musical memories of any show I've ever seen. Well, that that's one of the untapped features of the band that I've talked to Chris about a couple of times is occasionally Andrew songs for him to sing from the kit or vice versa, like get out that yeah, Chris yeah. song. Yeah. I'd love to see Chris different. Get out from the kit, do it. You know, yeah. there's a yeah. few songs that it would just be so cool to hear Chris from the kit and have Andrew's guitar work on live. And then Andrew's songs where he could show off his drumming while singing his songs. I feel like they used to do that. Did they not used to do that? I don't that? know. Well, he sang this one Patrick song that uh, Andrew stayed out front for. But I'd love to see Andrew sing a lead vocal from the kit and Chris yeah. sing a lead vocal from the kit. I feel like I've definitely seen Chris sing. Maybe it's just all the background vocals he does. <laughs> or if you've seen if you've ever seen any footage of tons which is his other band with uh, michael neal and matt murphy where he's singing yeah. lead from the kit kind of the whole time oh that's cool yeah, i like that he's not shy you know it's it's hard sometimes like on an engineering level for a drummer's vocal to be uh heard to, yeah get it out front but chris gets right on it so it always works out when he's the guy singing from the kit because he's uh, he's zealous. <laughs> and it's great too, because they're all fantastic singers. So regardless of their positioning, like generally there's always kind of like that loose screw in a band and, you know, like that the mic's not actually on or something or whatever. But uh, yeah, in this case, you know, everybody's strong. Yeah. It's called a free ride guy. <laughs> we appreciate them as fucking rock and roll fans around here. They don't get a baseball card in this band. They're <laughs> <laughs> right. a free ride guy. Everybody fucking sings and plays and writes and does the whole shit. And that's why we're here, man. That's why we're talking about these fuckers. That's right. Yeah, very unique. I mean, I I always put it out there. I'm just like, who else? Who are their peers? You know, like you know the the amount of time they've been around, the uniqueness of the group. Four individual guys with different voices and different songwriting talents. You know, there really isn't a peer for them as far as I'm concerned. Fucking Bill Wyman ain't got no songs. <laughs> yeah, and who? Yeah, I like, think there's not a lot of good stuff on the uh, you know the best. Hair looks like a fucking dust ball too. <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 and the Sloan haircuts are always on point. It might be a not always. Patrick's oh, had some bad haircuts. Some contention with the okay. No, that's not true. Ned thinks Patrick's got some bad haircuts. I think Bill Wyman's had some bad uh, legal accusations. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to give it up for you got to give it up for Sloan as well. No legal controversy at this point. No, no, There's no reason. No, all good. I mean, maybe Andrew has done some indoor smoking. <laughs> well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for no, uh, you know, crazy headlines. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I want to make sure I touch on if there's something that you guys wanted to talk about. I don't want to miss it. Um, I kind of 
did the best I could as a one, as a solo interview guy here. I'm, I'm normally with Ken and much more comfortable in that environment, but. Uh, you did great, Brad. We'll did Brad, Bob, <laughs> Monica. Monica, yeah. But uh, yeah, was there anything you guys wanted to touch on that I maybe missed that you want to quickly uh, point out? Um, in all earnestness, for a fucking rock and roll band to be around as long as Sloan and have keep people's interests, like when they come to LA and play pre-COVID and all this shit and hopefully post, Ned and I call it Sloan Day. And we <laughs> between work and family and everything, we make a priority to go see it because you don't know how many more times it's going to happen. And we love these dudes and we love these songs. So we always show up and it's super fun. That's right. Sloan day. Hopefully we'll get another one in the next year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I could use another show again. Uh, so is there anybody like, would who would you say like, um, cause, cause you guys are like, like Ned said earlier, you guys are kind of unique in your little bubble there in LA. Like, is there anybody else I should be talking to there who is a, is a hardcore Sloan fan as well? Who do we always see at the shows? Like, have you had Paul Myers on yet? Yeah, Paul Myers would be great. No, I haven't. I mean, I see him liking our stuff, and I, I want to kind of introduce myself, but I haven't yet. Um, so, okay, noted. Noted on that one. And I will say, too, when they did the double – I think it was the double cross. They did those YouTube videos where they talked about 20 Years of Sloan, and Jason Schwartzman was on there, and he seemed to be pretty knowledgeable. Yeah, he's a fan. He, he's a fan. What about, uh, like, is Roger? Is it Roger Manning or, or, or Faulkner? Have we seen oh, Faulkner at the show? Faulkner, shows? Jason, Jason Faulkner. Faulkner. Jason Faulkner, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know if you know a fellow named Chris Price, who's a very, very heavyweight uh, songwriting musical talent. He's a big fan of Sloan. He was playing in a project with me when we toured with Sloan, so he knows them too. Uh, Joe Siders is in the band of New Pornographers. He's a drummer. Right, you know, right. Sloan. That's I pretty think, much all the U.S. fans. I, <laughs> that's everybody. That's everybody in L.A. I it's think, all five of us. I think. <laughs> I think Paul Myers is 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 a good idea. I know a guitar player named Pete Thorne, who's a Canadian and Edmonton uh, guy who is kind of a hard rock. You could talk to my parents. They yeah, own the yeah. Between the Bridges. They they would always buy a, an album from a band that we were on tour with. No matter who it was, they bought Between the Bridges. So you could talk to Scott and Linda Brower. Nice. Yeah. They came and saw you guys and they were impressed, eh? They saw yeah. they saw Sloan at the Paramount Theater. They're oh, divorced awesome. right now, so it would actually be two episodes. Yeah, but it's fine. You guys have nothing <laughs> fun. Yeah, we can do a part one and part two with the Browers. That's no problem. Holy shit. <laughs> they split up a few years ago. It's, 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 it's too soon, you guys. This is too painful for me. Maybe we should get one. Figure what about out your your dad's new gal. Is she into Sloan? You get know. three episodes. He only has two CDs in the Jeep, so and that's one of them. I bet she's heard of them. That's, probably into Jolene. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's what's that song called? Friendship. That's what it's called. A friend. Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, jo, Jolene by uh, um, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Yeah. That song, the opening line used to be, I don't, I don't have the joke. I lost the joke. So Patrick's song, Friendship, opens with Jolene. Jolene by Dolly Parton also opens with the words. Friendship? Jo oh. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Jolene, Jolene. Um, so, okay, so Ned's Pep Pep 
and his mama. We're running this one into the ground. And I his, think you should go with, with Paul Myers. Thank his, you. And his dad's pep, Thank pep, you. And his dad's Pep Pep's new gal gal. Yep. That's four episodes. That's a half a season for you guys. This is a silver platter. This is lovely. This is a lovely advice. And I and a funny a funny joke I recall from the time they they were on Conan I guess in like the late 90s early 2000s and they did friendship or no they did uh, losing California. Uh, right. and we were talking about Fleetwood Mac earlier. That the intro of that always reminds me of secondhand news for some reason. But uh they yeah, <laughs> But the reason they did losing California is because I heard somebody said you can't do friendship because the First thing you sing on American TV can't be Jolene. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's the rumor. That's the rumor. Awesome. The name of the album by Fleetwood Mac, which opens with secondhand. It starts now. (laughs) (laughs) It's out there. It's still out there. Well, guys, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, thank you, guys. I don't want to take up your evening anymore. Thank you so much for letting me be here. We'll get. Uh, can we do one more comment off air once you cancel? Once you end the recording? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And then an entire three hours with your German colleague as a separate thing because he wasn't here. So I feel like we should also do that. That works for me, man. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I'll, I'll stop the recording here, which also might stop the session, but we'll see. Stand by. Yeah, let's okay. See. So not. we want to speak freely off camera, and then we also want to talk to the German. Well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor talking to you, you know, having you such a fan, uh, you know, such a treat uh, and uh, getting your perspective on the greatest band of all time. Uh, thank you again for joining me. And Ken, are you there now? I'm, I'm back. You're here. Hey, you're, you're feeling better. I'm, I'm healed. <laughs> oh, it's a miracle. It's a Sloan miracle. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, buddy. Uh, what did you, did, did I do okay? Hopefully, I think you did fine. Okay, I think I'm ready to let you. I'm, I, th- I think I'm ready to let you steer. Jesus Christ, I, I don't know if I want to do that again going solo. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, what, what, as of this recording, just occurred not too long ago was uh, Chris's second High Park solo mm. show, the winter edition. Um, Ken and I, of course, both saw it. I hope you did, listener, as well. It was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, just a great selection of songs, and you feel for the guy out there in the middle of High Park in the winter, just freezing his butt off, but singing his ass off as well. <laughs> and uh, respect to Rebecca for filming it, and uh, it's it's really cool with the amount of uh, technical stuff. Well, just like the, the you can see, there's some passion that's put into those, and mm. uh, you know mm. we appreciated his fans. Speaking of uh, Jay on Instagram just recently, as of this recording, February 19th, 2022, uh, put it out there that he's doing a second side door solo show as well, a pre-record. That's right. And he's, he's uh, looking for questions uh, for the show. So if you're so inclined, please hit him up. I know he's on Instagram. Uh, you can find him there. Uh, check his link tree for tickets, obviously. Uh, I don't know that there's a date solidified yet, but it's coming up probably before, you know, sometime in the spring. And uh, so, yeah, something to look forward to, man. We're going to have to brainstorm, get some questions for this guy. Question number one, how, why haven't you been on Sloancast? That's right. That's <laughs> right. I, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's sort of the more elusive of the four. So I guess that, that <laughs> makes sense to save him until, until last. Yeah, but, he, uh, he doesn't owe us anything, just obviously, but uh, yeah, whenever, <laughs> if ever that happens, it'll be a total treat. Um, and uh, yeah, let us know guys, who do you want to hear on the show? What do you want us to talk about? We have some shows planned, but we're always game to hear your feedback. You know, hit us up on Instagram at Sloancast. You know, our DMs is where you, where people should feel comfortable to come and gush about this band 
band, uh, and we will be there to support that gushing and to gush right back. Uh, so Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> so I guess is unless there's anything you wanted to add, Ken. I did want to add one thing. I recently yeah. uh, got the question, and I forgot where uh, somebody asked us this question. It might have been in the comment section on YouTube. Um, if you do want to reach us but do not have Instagram, you can send us an email to sloancast at gmail.com. We check our inbox once a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also have Carrier Pigeon and Pony Express too. So yes. uh, reach out, uh, just send up a you know a flare or a smoke signal, and we'll get get in touch with you and figure that all out. Um, I do also want to mention will be there in twenty to sixty days. Exactly. Yeah, international a little bit longer. Um, so yeah, I did also want to mention too, just based on the guests that we had on this episode, uh, if, if for wherever you uh, you know imbibe your music, it's worth mentioning uh, that the guys obviously have solo releases and they are. Are totally fantastic if you love the, the, the power pop sort of genre uh, these guys definitely have of course i imagine been influenced by sloan somewhat and all of the other influences that uh, you know the band have enjoyed over the years like uh, you know cheap trick and the cars and that kind of thing so if you're into that stuff uh, taylor Locke, his ep is called or his latest ep rather is called the bitter end it's fantastic it's wherever you uh, consume music and also there's a record from about 10 years ago by ned brower uh, called great to say hello fantastic as well i gotta be honest i didn't know that this one was out there it must have flown under the radar for me and i was listening to it and have been listening to it since the interview and it's fantastic as well great singer um and he he was more of in a, a backup capacity when he in his, during his time in rooney but great mm. uh, frontman great lead singer as well fantastic songwriter so uh yeah check that stuff out guys and uh thanks for listening and supporting our guests and thanks for listening and supporting us as a podcast so we'll uh, see you next time we'll wrap this up we'll t- tie a bow on it and see you next time right here on sloancast take it easy Bye.